Hello, and welcome back to Someday We'll All Be Dead, a podcast with a social work slant where we talk about all the things. And to prove that today, we're going to actually talk about remakes. So there I was, minding my own business, flipping through channels, and I saw Heathers. Now for you Gen Xers, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about when I say Heathers. For you younger folks, you might realize where I'm going with this. So Heathers was a cult classic movie back in the 80s featuring Christian Slater and Winona Ryder. And unfortunately, in my opinion, has been remade into a TV show. I did not realize this. I'd heard vaguely about it. I thought it had been canceled. (laughs) Um, so when I flipped to it, it was definitely not what I was expecting. Um, so today we're going to talk about remakes, both in movies and music. We're going to talk about combo bands. We're going to talk about the differences between remakes and covers and sequels and all kinds of things. So today I have with me Matt, my partner in crime. Just say hello. Hello, everybody. And here we go. So first, I really do want to talk about um, basically the differences between remakes, covers, sequels, prequels, and reimagining. So when I think of a remake, and just jump in whenever, um, I'm thinking about a replica. Nothing that's coming before or after the storyline, but almost an identical version, as opposed to a reimagining... So an example of a reimagining to me would be the new Star Trek. They've actually taken a completely different storyline, timeline, as you were. And I'm totally psyched about it. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, well, and the new Star Treks have been pretty great. Um, So that I would consider to be a reimagining. Whereas a remake, to me, uh, would be more like Footloose, which seems like, and I have to admit I didn't see the new one because I refused. (laughs) Um, but seems like an exact copy, basically, with newer actors. Well, and, and it's 30 years later, so that everything is, you know, come on, a town in 30 years later that doesn't listen to music <laughs> and they don't dance. Irrelevant. <laughs> Irrelevant. <laughs> Terrible. So, and of course, that's uh, the difference there between sequels and prequels, of course, are just additions to the original movie, and that can change a lot, like you said, in in the decades that have come since we were kids, and we're both Gen Xers. Um, Technology has changed. (laughs) I don't think that the idea of uh, making a new Top Gun is even kind of remotely a good (laughs) idea. Well, that's, that's a good example, right? So this Top Gun is actually supposed to be a sequel. It's not a remake. Okay, well, it's understood, but... The whole idea that Tom Cruise is still in the Navy. <laughs> Maverick is still in the Navy. Well, I'm still going to watch it because I'm terrible and I, I love the original. So yeah. I'm not, you know, thinking that it's going to be great, but I'm yeah. still going to watch it. And I think that really hits a great point of the difference between nostalgia versus quality. So when you're talking about things like, for, for back to the Footloose example, I ridiculously admitted that I watched Footloose every single day for an entire summer. I realized that is silly. What year? Uh, whenever. I should have looked it up. Whenever Footloose came out. Um, 
in the 80s. On, D- on, on VHS. Uh, oh, definitely VHS. <laughs> so, you know, I watched it every single day. And for me, to, I can't even imagine watching the original. That's not weird or pathetic in any way. <laughs> Fair. Um, so, but to me, it's got nostalgia. And, and even, I mean, this isn't really to the point that we're talking about, but um, we were talking about The Dark Crystal. And um, what movie is that? Labyrinth. So these movies that they're... They're classic for when we were kids, but to watch them now is is very difficult because technology has changed and storytelling has changed. And so there's that that toss between nostalgia and quality. Is it worth it? Yeah, you have to let your mind go back to the time when it was made in order to really enjoy it still. Right. So they're actually going to do a prequel. I think it's on Netflix of The Dark Crystal. And they're supposed to be using all the same technology. So it's going to be really more of an 80s show. And that's, you know, we're gonna, definitely going to get into that because there is a lot of movies and TV remakes and music remakes, too, that came from the 80s that are being redone. I got to say, I'm excited about uh, the, um, what is it, uh, uh, Prince Ali. Um, oh, Aladdin. Aladdin. The live features of Disney movies. I think I mm-hmm. enjoy them, yes. They really have been pretty amazing. I mean, Jungle Book was pretty great. Yeah, I was just going to say, Jungle Book really outdid itself. And I think it it led into being excited about what they can actually do. Yeah, because, I didn't see Beauty and the Beast, but I'm sure it was pretty good. Yeah, I didn't see that one either, but I did see the Cinderella one. And mm. both of them really, really well done and true to the original story. But again, is it a reimagining or is it a remake? They're, it's a remake, right? But is it? They stick to the storyline. They they do, but it almost has to be a reimagining because it's live action versus animation. I don't know. I don't know if there was a talking candlestick or teapot <laughs> or tea kettle. I'm sure there probably was. Anyway. Well, Jungle Book, though, the animals talked. Yes. Good point. So... Is it reimagining if they just do the same thing? It's just live? I don't know. I think that's a good question. They have to change things slightly, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think in Jungle Book, since we both saw that, I think they did change it a little bit. They did stick with the traditional story, but Shere Khan was definitely scarier. Um, the King Louie, the monkey, the yeah, orangutan, the giant orangutan was terrifying. Was, was, I don't know. If, I guess that was reimagined because he was enormous compared to... a. Your, your average right, right right and although you know his character was similar i mean christopher walken brought something different to that yeah that was pretty cool so i don't know i think that might slide into the <laughs> reimagining category for me i think disney's always going to do a pretty decent job every time they they do one of these yeah i'm very excited about aladdin though the yeah. previews look amazing there better be a little monkey that <laughs> a boo yeah <laughs> of course there can't be aladdin without a boo <laughs> or raj raja the tiger right right and uh, Iago, the parrot. Yes. Well, we saw that in the previous, so it'll be in there. Oh, I did? The I must shadow of Iago, oh, yeah. Sh- okay. Yeah. So we kind of already talked about Footloose. I wanted to bring up It. You saw It, right? The new version? Yes. So, obviously, Tim Curry is amazing. And I love him. This is all your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and I respect your opinion. How dare you? 
Tim Curry is fan-fucking-tastic. But I do have to give it to... What's his name? It's one of the many brothers in the family of the Norwegian... Yes. He really... Can't think of the last name. I know. He knocked it out of the park. Look it up. He knocked it out of the park. I think what I really appreciated about it, the new one, as opposed to the old one, was that the old one had that kind of ridiculous spider monster in the end. Do you remember that? Yeah. It was really scary. Skarsgård, that's right. It was really scary at the time for the 80s, but you rewatch it now and it just doesn't hold up. I mean, Tim Curry's clown was, and Pennywise was scary. His teeth were scary. But there's something about this new clown. I really like it. Yeah, and the the everybody was just kind of suspended and floating around. It was really cool to see special effects make it realized. Right, right. And the way that they portrayed the clown changing to each of the kids' fears. I didn't, I mean, man, it's been so long. I don't remember the original one as well. But I don't remember it being portrayed as well. Either way, I think I like the newer version a little more than I like the original. I know. I hate to say that because I really <laughs> love Tim Curry. <laughs> And we already talked about the Disney Live versions. Um, Ocean's Eleven. Do you remember the Rat Pack making that original movie? I don't think I ever sat through the whole thing. I've seen bits and pieces. It's it's similar, right? So we it, it was way before we were kids. It's, yeah, it's just a lot more smoking and, and guys <laughs> hanging out. <laughs> smoking and drinking. <laughs> they don't see the, the in-depth planning like they did in... Right. I mean, really in-depth planning that they did in Ocean's 13. They showed all the, you know, the backstory of everything. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Or, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I'll have to go back and rewatch the whole thing. You know, uh, Sinatra. And... I mean, I think that's the question. Is is it nostalgia? I mean, does is it not resonating with us because we weren't young when we first saw it? And we saw the new one first. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Is I, I sat and watched the new one before I ever sat and saw any of the old version. Mm-hmm. Didn't even know about the old version until they came out with the new one. And you're right. There was a lot of flash-forward, flashback to the details of the crime, which really, you know, made it more interesting yeah. for me. Um, Agreed. And they've done sequels to that, too, so... They've expanded on something that was just kind of original to the Brad Pack or the the Rat Pack. The Rat Pack, yeah. <clears throat> Speaking of Brat Pack, <laughs> what what have they know. remade in the Brat Pack? Uh, good point. I, I guess don't think they really have remade Brat Pack movies. That's an interesting thought. A new Breakfast Club. <sighs> I can't. Yeah. I just can't. That would ruin it. Yeah, there was something magic about that, and. Even though it's completely misogynistic and terrible now when you watch it. Did he write and direct those? Or did he, someone else write them and he just directed them? Did he? We'd have to look it up. I think it he did both. Like all the dialogue kind of goes together with all the movies that John Hughes has ever made. It seems like he must Shermer, write. Shermer, Illinois. <laughs> yeah, he must write and direct. I think he did. I yeah, so. they shouldn't mess with any of those. Well, I agree, but they mess with a lot of things. Yeah, see, people, people sing Beatles songs that just shouldn't be touched. <laughs> hey, we're not to the music part yet. <laughs> So I want to kind of get into the more of reimagining things. We already mentioned the Star Trek remix, but Superman versus Man of Steel. So oh, when I was a kid, yeah, yeah. 
Christopher Reeves. Well, George Reeves first. Black and white TV show, right? Yeah, I vaguely remember seeing, you know, a few of those. But, I mean, I was born in 1972. <laughs> yeah. There were only three channels, so whatever came on was on. Anyway, I didn't see a whole lot of Superman, the original, black mm-hmm. and white. But, yeah, when Christopher Reeves came along and uh, they made three of them, right? Now you got to call me on it when I haven't looked it up. I think there's four. Okay. I think there's four originals. Either way, they were super cool. That was the thing. I mean... It was the 80s, and yeah. for the technology at the time, it was great. And Superman, Christopher Reeve, was, you know, had the chiseled jaw and the bright blue eyes, oh, and he was yeah. the perfect Clark Kent. Yeah, he was. Really, he was. But this reimagining, I mean, this guy's amazing. Yeah, with the special effects and everything, and how he got dark on that... that um... I can't think of the name of it now. The DC. Um, oh, as the DC movies go along. The DC movie where they they he was dead mm-hmm. and then they brought him back. Spoiler alert. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he didn't die. Maybe they didn't bring him back. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's okay. We'll forgive him this time. I should have said spoiler alert. But we are talking about movies here, so come on. Yeah, Man of Steel, I really, really loved that they started out with him as a kid. Um, I mean, I know Kevin Costner's not your favorite actor. Uh, you know what? And I never watched any of that uh, that series about Smallville. I never watched any of that. I didn't either. But Amy Adams is a great Lois Lane. He's a great Superman. What's his name? I don't know. Oh, crap. I totally know this. We Look should, it up. Research. We're terrible. We're the worst. I it. promise next time we'll do better. But yeah, Kevin Costner was a great dad. And I really love when they show like him being bullied by the kid. And then he saves him. Spoiler alert again. If you haven't seen Man of Steel, that's your own fault. Because it's been out for years and it's really great. But when he is being bullied by that kid and he grabs that fence post. Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill? Cavill? Cavill. Yeah, he's great. And... I think he really tried to honor, I mean, in the interviews, it sounded like he was really trying to honor the Christopher Reeve version of Superman. I'm not sure I enjoyed Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. <laughs> he does have kind of a quirky personality. He was almost like he was trying to be the Joker, but he was Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor was a serious, evil person. Was he, though? In I the Christopher so. Reeve movies, was I he? I thought so. He was kind of a joke. Wasn't it? He was almost like a penguin character, it seemed like to me. Wasn't it, uh, what's his name from, uh, The French Connection? What's his name? Mississippi Burning. What's his name? <laughs> Mississippi Burning. I don't know. Gene Hackman. Didn't Gene Hackman play Lex Luthor in the Superman? Really young Gene Hackman, Hackman yeah. But he, it seemed like he was really more of a jokey, like you didn't take him seriously. Uh, Jesse maybe, Eisenberg maybe. has a lot of quirks. And so his character comes off as more, to me... Almost more maniacal, but and, still Joker-esque, I agree. But even, like, Richard Pryor was in one of those. So it was, mm-hmm. as a kid, it was fun to go and see him because they were fun. Right. These are, or dark, these are darker and more serious, and that's what's great about Batman. Right, was right. It was darker and more serious. It is definitely darker. I mean, compared to Marvel Universe, 
But I think they both have merit. I think they both have a place to be darker. Batman was always a darker character. So, I yeah, think it Adam worked. Adam West didn't make Batman very dark <laughs> at all. <laughs> he was supposed to be dark. You're right. I mean, rest in peace, Adam West. <laughs> He's great. Uh, but yeah, I mean, compare, again, compared to the TV show, the, even the original movies, I mean, Batman, oh my gosh, that's been through 20 different imaginings, it seems like. Yeah. And I know yeah. Christian Bale is your favorite, not my favorite. Well, I think he did good. I think his voice was ridiculous and he forced it. <sighs> he had to change his voice from who he was because half uh... a mask... <laughs> Uh, can you hear my eyes rolling back in my head right now? It's so terrible. All right, all right, all right. All right. I don't dislike all of Christian Bale's movies, but I don't like his voice as Batman. That's my only complaint. Okay. It feels too forced to me. Valid point. All right. Well, I'm not trying to be right or wrong. I'm just giving my opinion. So let's get into a little bit of the movies versus TV shows. This is also, I'm going to skip down to... The original point of this whole segment is the movie Shooter with Mark Wahlberg, which is ridiculous, and I still love it, and I will watch it every single time it's on TV, but they have remade it into a TV show with the same character, and so every time I'm flipping through channels, like I was during the Heather situation, I'll see Shooter, and I'll flip it on, and it's the doggone... It's not Marky Mark. It's exactly. It's guy. It's not Marky Mark, <laughs> and it's BS. <laughs> and I love Marky Mark. <laughs> I love that movie. It's ridiculous, and it's just... It's I not, love it. It's not that often that they take a movie and turn it into a TV series, though, is it? Well, Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon's uh, now a see, TV they're show. they doing it more now than they used to. It's really this big, and I think, I'm starting to think it's because our generation grew up with this big boom of TV, right? So you remember when we were really young, those three channels, right? Uh, I understand taking the TV series and turning it into a movie, but I'm not sure. About... Well, it's almost easier to go from movie to TV because you can expand the storyline. Right. And they're even doing it with TV shows to TV shows like... Magnum P.I. we were just talking about. Ugh. I know. Well, I haven't seen it yet, but... Sorry, but Tom Selleck is the quintessential Thomas Magnum, and nobody's ever even going to come close. <laughs> I don't disagree with you. And Higgins and T.C. I know. I know. I love... T.C. Wait. used to call Higgins Higgy Baby. <laughs> <laughs> now Higgins is a woman. Yeah. Well, you know, wait till they try to do Knight Rider. <laughs> You know, oh, I do remember. The T- TV <laughs> TV shows to movies, they did the A-Team. That's a reimagining, I think, because they didn't do the same storyline. They're the same guy. Oh, they met, though, right? They, they hadn't... When, when they opened the series, they all pretty much had already gone back together, and they were, they were the A-Team, right? Did they have, like, any sort of... There was no origin in the TV series, I think. I don't think there was. I think they, they just, were always they just the, give you the backstory in the entrance, you in, know, in the yeah. intro to yeah. the show. Yeah. This one, they showed how they all got together. Briefly, yeah, in the very beginning, yeah. Right. But they really did cast that very well, I think. Yeah. And casting has so much to do with it. Yeah, I have to say, it was believable that they were all the same characters. That 
You know? Yeah. I mean, Bradley Cooper's face, come on. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I mean, no one can be Mr. T, but he's too Liam old Neeson's, to be. <laughs> Liam Neeson's is a, is a Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Neeson's. Yes. Uh, shout out to Keem Peel, who will always be the best. Another TV series that was made into a movie was uh, The Fugitive. You're right. Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Most people younger than us don't remember that. <laughs> right, right. That's okay. It's okay to be younger. It's okay. We forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm going to get into the music section now. But bef- right in this segment, I want to talk a little bit about combo bands. So recently we've been... I was reintroduced. I know I've heard it before, but uh, is it Pucifer? Yes, Pucifer, The Perfect Circle, and, and Tool. Tool. So, obviously, I knew who all these bands were individually, but I didn't realize, because I'm not a huge fan, super fan, that they were different incarnations of different band members. And although they have similar sounds, they each have something unique. And I'm just curious as to why that only seems to happen in rock. So, um, Tool, Perfect Circle, and Pucifer have different incarnations audio slave sound garden and rage against the machine have come together uh i mean i should say sound garden and rage against the machine came together to do audio slave is that right yes well it was mostly rage against the machine and the lead singer chris cornell sang for that band audio slave and r.i.p chris cornell yes great voice lost way too soon yeah hell of a talent yeah, and then Pearl Jam and, again, Chris Cornell of Soundgarden uh, came together to do Temple, Temple of the Dog. Temple of the Dog, yeah, that was Hunger Strike, and uh, I think there was another song that made to radio, but yeah. And there's been a lot of collaborations. Um, Velvet Revolver, who was that again? That was Guns N' Roses with the lead vocalist from Stone Temple Pilots. Mm. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. But it's interesting to me that it's really only been rock bands that have done these album-length um, collaborations. You hear a lot about individual songs and, you know, rap artists or pop artists or Featuring whoever. somebody. Yeah, they'll feature someone or they'll, like Ebony and Ivory, right? Paul McCartney. It's a collaboration, but it's really just one song. Usually, yeah, it's just one song. And so it's, it's curious to me why it would only be rock that would introduce these entire, entirely new bands, like really, with different of, yeah. names. I mean, they've completely changed their name and somewhat changed their sound and put out an entire album as this collaboration. Do you think it's for legal reasons they do that? I wonder. I don't know why it would be. I mean... They're all under contract to make music under a name of uh, a band. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So maybe that has something to do with it. That's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. Like, well, we'll trick the lawyers and start a new band. (laughs) You know what? That could be. But why is it only rock? Another good, yeah, another good question. I mean, that just, I don't know. I suppose there are country music bands that get together. Yeah, but do they they make another band? I mean, you know, like Allison Krauss and is it Union Station? Right. They still maintained their separate names. They didn't come together to create a different band. 
Right. And I don't pretend there, to know all bands of all genres. Weren't there um, three different girls, two different girls that came together called... Train wreck? wreck? The Wreckers? Home Wreckers. Wreckers? The Wreckers. Yeah, the Wreckers, right? It was like You're a... right. That was Michelle... Oh my gosh, I have that <laughs> song, Leave the Pieces, but the I don't remember wreckers. who it is. Hang on. The yes. Wreckers. Hanging on. We're pausing. Okay, we've looked it up. It was in 2005. It was Michelle Branch. Oh, yes. And Jessica Harp, two whom had solo recordings before the duo's foundation. So they had their own thing going on. They got together and formed the record. So there you have it. I mean, now that you're saying it, I'm thinking about all the times that there's been a band and someone's gone solo. For instance, I mean, Destiny's Child and Beyonce, In Sync, and Justin Timberlake. But there's a difference there. There is a difference. It's someone going solo. It's not a collaboration with a different band. It's like Chicago, Chicago. Peter Cetera is Peter Cetera. <laughs> yeah, but even that, Chicago's like 50 different members, it seems like. Well, what about, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh... Um, uh, Phil Collins separated Genesis. from Genesis. So, yeah. And so did uh, the other guy. Yeah. But it's not a Slow collaboration channel. with someone. <laughs> Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel. It's not a collaboration with someone else right. or a new band. They didn't band. all come together to form a new band. They right. all just went solo. Yeah. I don't know. That's something different. All right. Let's get back to the point of remakes. So you and I had a conversation the other day. Oh. Well, shake your head. You did. About remakes of, of music. Okay. We already had this section recorded about music. But um, I decided it'd be a good idea to maybe look up the rules of podcasting. Uh, because I don't want to pay a $100,000 fine. And I'm glad that I did. Because the myth of using just 6 seconds or 10 seconds or any seconds of a copyrighted piece of music is illegal. There is something called the Fair Use Act, um, but it's vague and it's not worth trying to figure out if I'm going to get sued. You don't want to hire a lawyer, do you? (laughs) No. No. So we're going to redo this. My apologies, but if you want to hear any of the music that we're talking about, then you are just going to have to Google it or listen to it on your own iPod because I am not willing to pay that kind of fine. So this section is going to be about remakes or reimaginings of music. The first one I want to bring up is Billie Jean. And this is, of course, most famous by Michael Jackson. But the Civil Wars, which is a country band, Mm. um, remade this. So the first time I heard this song by the Civil Wars, I was actually at a wedding reception. And I was hearing it in the background and you were with me, weren't you? I don't think I was. At, with the hay bales and everything? No. Mm. Anyway, I heard this song and I was like, this sounds so familiar. And it took me quite a while to even figure out what the song was because it's so different. Yeah, you just had to pay attention to the lyrics because it's completely different <laughs> tempo right. and completely different sound. Yeah, it's very haunted. It's very slow compared to the original poppy version that michael jackson put out right and i am not really a fan of it (laughs) (laughs) uh i think it kind of gets into the whole genre swapping which i'm generally not a fan of and i'm 
Sorry for people that are fans of country music, but country's fine to me on its own. I just, I have a hard time. It's really actually sort of slow and bluesy uh, country. If you even want to call it country, it's more bluesy. The Civil Wars version. Yeah, really, it is. It is, it is. Uh, But I just think about, like, Life is a Highway, and I mean, so many songs that have been turned from rock and pop. Right. What was that one about the, uh, I swear. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was like All for One did one version, and then John Michael Montgomery or somebody did the other version. Yeah. And uh, personally, I think they're both terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what was that one from that Con Air? Wasn't that one? Uh, wasn't that Aerosmith or something? Yeah. Connor and But it was uh, Leanne Rhymes. Oh, that yeah, yeah, it. okay. Yeah, I don't want to close. But no, no, wait, no, wait. <laughs> no. Uh, what was it? Damn it. Uh, we should know this. We're terrible. I don't want to live without you. So, uh, I, I live No, without... I can't live without you. What is it? How do I? How do I live without you? you? I was close. <laughs> close enough for whatever that is. Right. But why? Yeah. Why does that need to be remade? Why can't it just be the original song? But I guess by my definition, it is kind of a re- reimagining. I don't know. I don't know about genre swapping. I don't know about Con Air being a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about Con Air being a good movie. Okay. That's for another podcast. Um, so that for me, coming back to Billie Jean, I think that's a good example of a, re- a reimagining because... They took it and made it feel more like what the lyrics say to me. The lyrics are more true to the way that song comes out to me. Okay, yeah. As far as the lyrics go, that song's a really more feeling of that tempo and that. Yeah, yeah I think so. And there's some more on this um, list that we're going to get into that it's the same reasons. They feel more true to what the actual lyrics were. Right. The opposite. Um, example is the one that started this conversation, which is Gold Dust Woman, and that was originally by Fleetwood Mac. And you were telling me it's about a great song. The it is a great song. You were telling me about the Hailstorm version, which I like um, almost even better. And to your point, <laughs> she does have a great voice, but it sounds the song sounds just the same, like she's doing a karaoke version exactly the same. Yeah, even the music is the same. And that's kind why? Of, that's why I think that's, you know, flatter, uh, what is it, flattery is, or I'm sorry, imitation is the highest form of flattery. Is that the, it is, but I thought you were going to say something about <clears throat> flat earth and it just no. made me <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I mean, uh, if you're going to do it, do it as close to the person as you can. Like if you're going to, you're going to do an impression of someone, mm-hmm. get it as good as you can, as close to and as good as you can to the original. I mean, I can see that viewpoint. I just disagree with it. So, agree to disagree. All right. Um, so, you'll have to Google that yourselves and listen to the very similar versions of Fleetwood Mac and Hailstorm singing Gold Dust Woman. I, by the way, this podcast is not nearly as exciting when you don't get to hear the samples of music that we played for you before. But again, I'm I mean, disgust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was some really great disgust noises, especially when we get down to you two redoing CCR's "Fortunate Son." My God, that was not okay by anyone's standards. What, Bono? What are you doing? Just stop. Yes, yeah, I actually gagged. It was. I mean, 
That's definitely the worst example of all of them on this. They really list. made it their own. <laughs> <sighs> they, I, I mean, it's you too. What What are they doing? I don't know. Out of control. It was a while ago. No excuse. <clears throat> so we also talked about "I'm on Fire." So you hadn't heard this uh, remake version. It was originally by Bruce Springsteen. It was redone by AWOL Nation. And we discussed that you hadn't heard it because it was on the Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all you have to say about that. Yeah. Um, I don't own that soundtrack. <laughs> uh, but it's it's similar to Billie Jean for me. It feels more ethereal. It feels more sad and heartfelt. And just the lyrics lend itself to the way AWOL Nation did it. Not that the Springsteen version is bad. It's not. Yeah, I like Bruce Springsteen a little bit, and that song was not one of my favorite Bruce Springsteen songs, but it's definitely a, um, it's a sort of a melancholy sounding song to begin with. It's right. It's very, I don't know, it's very mellow. Yeah, yeah, and the... Kind of sad. Yeah, I mean, it's not exactly upbeat when Springsteen sings it, but it is definitely more rock and roll, whereas <clears throat> the AWOL Nation version is not. Um... We had a lot of good conversation about Nine Inch Nails and Johnny Cash and the song Hurt. I think everybody knows that. Yeah. That was an amazing, amazing remake, reimagining, if you will. Yeah. Um, I I love Nine Inch Nails. We both love Nine Inch Nails. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that we both think that Johnny Cash's version is right up there, if not better. Yeah. I mean, even Nine Inch Nails was blown away by his version it was Great incredible song. and that goes against the whole genre thing right because that almost didn't sound country to me that sounded like i don't know terribly sad blues it was very very sad <laughs> very and uh, also jim or johnny cash did the Soundgarden song uh rusty cage oh that's right you told me about a that very very kind of a hard grinding metal song mm-hmm and when Johnny Cash does it, he turns it into a, a almost like the um, like hurt, like the Billie Jean song, kind of like a more oh. more of a like a funky, groovy, kind of bluesy version of that song. Huh. I'll have to check that out. It's pretty awesome. I forgot to look that up. You're right. <clears throat> uh, we did mention how pretty much every Beatles song is remade by everyone, um, but specifically, I wrote down yesterday. Because there's a pretty different version by Boys to Men. They did an a cappella version in the, I don't know what that's, 90s, 90s or. 90s, yeah, it had to be early in the mid 90s. Um, it's still slow. It's similar to the original, uh, but definitely more R&B, obviously. It's not as slow as the original. It's very, it's a lot more soulful and mm-hmm. sounds great, really. I mean, they're great singers. But yesterday's one of those songs, like I think we talked about yesterday, it's either, <laughs> yesterday. One of the, yeah, most. It's either one or two most re-recorded songs ever. Yeah, ever. Um, and a lot of the Beatles songs are on that top ten list, which is just incredible to me. Um, but yesterday, yeah. Is it okay to redo it? It's such a classic. It's, it's iconic. Oh, I just thought of another one. Mm. Another iconic singer, Elvis Presley. Mm. With um, Fools Fall in Love. Or, uh, <laughs> You're going to say UB40, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally different sounds. 
Yes. But I love the UB40 version. What? I do. Did you just admit on this podcast for the world to hear I'm that an... you like a UB40 song? I'm not an Elvis man. And yes, UB40 <laughs> makes it sound all reggae and cool. Oh my goodness. I thought you hated them. So that makes me very happy. What? When did you ever think I hated I, UB40? I don't know. I'm just glad I have it on tape. I have UB40. Uh, <laughs> okay. We're getting sidetracked. All right. Once again. <sighs> all right. Similar to yesterday, um, Hallelujah has been remade by everyone in all genres by Mr. Cohen. Um, my favorite version was actually four random guys that were on some European X Factor type show. I think no, no, I played that version. Simon Cowell just gathered these guys together. It wasn't like a oh, it wasn't like a award or like well, a, one of them <clears throat> was a competition winner from somewhere. Okay. But then he found the rest of the guys to sing with him. Oh, I didn't like, know if Simon Cowell was behind that. Il do it or il something like il volse or something like that was the name of the group. Huh. Well, that's one of my favorite versions anyway. <laughs> okay. I mean, that song's great. It's great in any genre, it seems like, anytime it's redone. And that's one of the few that I appreciate when they don't try to change it a lot. When they really do try to honor the original intent and version although it really would be hard to change it i think i can't imagine hallelujah being sung in death metal or something you know probably has happened i'm (laughs) sure someone's done it somewhere i'm probably glad i haven't heard it all right sounds of silence we talked about this one as well yeah simon and garfunkel versus disturbed what are your thoughts the first original version is sacred and beautiful but Disturbed changed it and made it really, really cool. Yeah. They really did. Yeah. I mean, I, I can imagine younger people or people that may never have wanted to listen to music made from Simon and Garfunkel or folk singers listening to that song for the first time and hearing it by Disturbed. He's done this with a couple of different uh, different songs and different bands. Uh, he did uh, Shout with Tears of Fears and he did... Uh, Land of Confusion from Genesis. Oh, that's right. That's right. He's really good at taking a song and making it really kind of his own disturbed version. <laughs> yes. Uh, and both of them are great. You know, sometimes a song you'll hear a remake and, you know, you're almost ashamed to say, but you like the remake better. Um, this is one of those Sounds of Silence I could listen to on any day at any time and by either band, and I love them both. Yeah. I, every time I hear Simon and Garfunkel, it takes me back to uh, when I was uh, in the car with the babysitter down the street, the triplets. <laughs> she always had Simon and Garfunkel going on. <laughs> That's good memories. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, Tainted Love is an interesting one because Soft Cell did the original. Most people, if they can't think of it off the top of their head, they know what this song is if they hear it. Um, It's very poppy and fun, but the lyrics are torn and heartbroken and angry, and it doesn't have the feel that the lyrics do. The song and the music and the melody do not have the same feel as the lyrics. Yeah, but they go, oh, (laughs) (laughs) don't they? Oh, goodness. So, um, Marilyn Manson redid Tainted Love, and it's got a very similar feel to Nine Inch Nails, where it's that industrial screaming, um, well, Nine Inch Nails doesn't scream, but 
Um, Marilyn Manson just took it and really, it's the same melody. You definitely know it's the same song. You mean same same little uh, uh, synthesizer tweaks that, that the yeah. original does? But... Yeah, same beat, same same melody, but it's so different. It's it's screaming out that you know the lyrics. Yeah. It's screaming out the lyrics and making you feel like your heart's getting ripped out, which is what those lyrics are. His love's been tainted. It really has. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's another great version of something that was reimagined and worked really well. All right, last. Save the best for last. What's this one? What do we got? All Along the Watchtower. Oh. Yeah. That's one of my personal favorites of a remake or a reimagination. Is everyone thinks that, well, not everyone. Most people seem to think that All Along the Watchtower was Jimi Hendrix's song originally, but uh, Bob Dylan wrote and performed that song for a long time. But no one cared because Mumbles was terrible. <laughs> Mumbles. He's not that bad. But yeah, he does some mumbling, I guess. But uh, when Jimi Hendrix performed that song, and uh, Bob Dylan heard it, he just kind of threw his hands up in the air and said, that's not my song anymore. He gave it to him. He said, that's incredible. That is your song. You own it, because you're awesome, basically. And uh, I'm pretty sure that's not exactly how the story goes, <laughs> but that's a shortened version, a condensed version of uh, what I heard about that song. I'm just going to assume that's how it goes. And, you know, good on him for recognizing that what he created with lyrics sounded better coming from someone else. Yeah, yeah. Because not everyone has the humility to be able to give up something that they wrote, especially when he could have been making, you know, I don't know if he made tons of money off of it or he just flat out gave it to him, but... Yeah, I don't you think know. Bob Dylan was about the money back then, really. No, he, well, <laughs> he, I don't think he was either, but, you know, not everybody would be willing to give that up. Even if they heard it and knew it was better... They may have wanted to keep the rights to it or, you know, keep making money off of it instead th- of yeah. just he saw the genius, succumbing to the genius. He saw yeah. the beautiful genius in another musician's ability to make his work even better than it was and yeah, just caved. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Exactly. All right. The last thing I want to get into today is I want to talk about replacement lead vocals. So I think the first thing that people think about is Van Halen versus Van Hagar. <laughs> well, see, you started with uh, replacement, and I started thinking about Darren from Bewitched and how horrible <laughs> the replacement of Darren was. Fair. And they expected us not to notice, right, as if like, nobody noticed it was a different look, Darren. The, the original Darren first was of all, Darren. I'm sorry, millennials, you don't know where we're talking about right now, but Darren was Darren. His replacement was Durwood. <laughs> I know Angora called them both Durwood, but the second one was Durwood. Yeah, well, that's legit. <laughs> that's 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 absolutely right. a legit complaint. Legit right. complaint. So now that I'm over that, let's talk about replacement leads. I mean, can you really be over that though? Never. Come ever, on, ever. bewitched. Never. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> replacement lead vocals. I have a couple written down, but Van Halen and Van Hagar. That's a huge one throughout time. That was almost seamless. It was, but they sound very different. Totally different. And there's definitely different fan bases for each of those. There yep. are people that are absolutely staunch Hagar versus Halen, and they refuse to listen Oof. to the other. I would think it would be the other way around, but 
I mean, it's both. There's people on both sides. Right. Is what I'm saying. People that love the original Van Halen hated when Sammy Hagar came on board. That's why they're calling it Van Hagar. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, they were still popular. They were still played on the radio. They were still making money. I'm going to say that when Sammy Hagar came along and took over, yeah, they put out two good albums and the rest was garbage. But that's still two good albums. I mean, two some people don't albums. even put out two good songs. 5150 and OU812 were excellent. And Sammy Hagar carried his weight. And, and they went on tour and made billions. Yeah. Sure. Well, at least millions, but... Well, billions... In revenue that went, oh, yeah. that went everywhere. But and the other lead vocals I'm thinking of are people whose lead singers died. So, for example, Allison Chains, Lane Staley. <sighs> I don't even know the new lead singer's name. I don't know the new lead singer's name. And I don't think they sound the same. I mean, obviously, it's a different lead singer, but... He was absolutely one of a kind. He really was. And and that's going to be more of our, you know, lost too early episode, but... Bon Cam- Scott for ACDC. Yeah. And Brian Johnson took over for Bon Scott. Yeah. They tried, and- to, they tried to get a guy who kind of sounded like Bon Scott, and he kind of almost did, but there's an obvious difference. And yeah. And there are probably some, some people who are... Pre Brian Johnson, or I don't know. A lot of ACDC fans are loyal to ACDC, so I don't know. But. You know, people, I don't know. That makes me think about Journey. I am not happy about I what's going on with Journey. Hear what you're saying. So, without going through all the drama, Steve Perry was with Journey in their most popular and famous times. And he turned his back on it. From 77 to 98. I don't know all the details. They did not, they had another lead singer, Steve, I don't know how to say his last name, A-U-G-E-R-I. Nobody cared about Journey, obviously, from 1998 to 2006, because I didn't even know this existed. This is probably just when they were on tour. But when they found that guy from YouTube, Arnel Panetta. From the Philippines? He sounds... Similar. So similar. I mean... I Almost can, indistinguishable from Steve Perry. Gonna, I know you disagree with me. You're not going to put him past me at all. I know you disagree with me, but I also saw them live <laughs> with Arnell at White River Amphitheater in Washington. And he jumps around the stage like Steve Perry. He sounds like Steve Perry. The band sounds amazing. Does he have a mullet like Steve Perry did? Thank God, no. He did not have a mullet. But... That is a situation where they found someone that emulates and sounds almost identical to the lead singer. Similar to how Adam Lambert sounds similar. You're never going to get anyone that sounds like Freddie Mercury, ever. Freddie Mercury is unique, just like Lane Staley. Agree. But Adam Lambert has been singing with Queen on tour. And so the question is, do you forsake the band when it's not their fault that their lead singer is either gone for some reason or deceased. Or do you say forget it and start something new? I mean... You have to assume that they all have what that lead singer's best interests were in mind. Wouldn't you think that that would be the case? Like, he would want us to go on... Well, Steve Perry probably didn't. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm not dead. sure what Steve Perry feels. He went on a solo career. He didn't just leave and then quit. Right. He had all kinds of hits after he left Journey. Right. That's true. That's true. He did. 
But uh, yeah, I don't know about Steve Perry so much being like, I don't think they had his interest in mind. Well, they had their interest in making money. All of his songs. And he sounded just like him. Yeah, but I'm sure they didn't go, Steve, we found a guy that sounds just like you. Do you mind? <laughs> well, he had given up the right to mind because he left the band. <laughs> so I still love Journey. I don't care. Either whoever's singing, whatever. I'm I still going to listen to it. I always listen to old Journey. Yeah. Don't stop believing. That's all that matters. Because <laughs> you know what? The wheel in the sky will keep on turning. Keeps on, on turning. turning. <laughs> yes. All right, well, what are your final thoughts on remakes and uh, sequels and prequels and all know, the things? Everybody's going to keep doing them. I just wish they would tread lightly and think about what the original sounds like or looks like and keep it in mind. Have a good reason for doing it, Put not just making money. Put a there, but, ugh. You know, sometimes <laughs> I, I hear... I hear Ugh, there's a. Uh, <laughs> Your disgust is hilarious. Sorry, there's a. I, I love Shinedown. They the guys got a great voice and they they have some fun songs. They, they're kind of like the new Nickelback. They they rock, but they're kind of like, you know, regular rock. Yeah, well, Can, hold on. I just need to pause this for one second. I'm sorry. I need to talk about Nickelback for a second. Screw everyone that loves. Theory of a Dead Man and Shine Down and hates on Nickelback. You goddamn well know they all sound the same. So I don't want to hear your crap. Nickelback is Nickelback. They do what they do, and they were freaking great. And they still Lose are great. Photograph. And I will still listen to it. So I don't want to hear your crap because they all sound the same. Okay, right. go ahead. Well, Shine Down. They they did a uh, uh, Leonard Skinner song, uh, "Simple Kind of Man." Really, and I didn't he hear gets, this. He gets all. Uh, he gets very. Very soulful, uh-huh. and uh, like really, really makes it his own. And a lot of it's pretty great, but when he really is changing it up, is when it really gets annoying to me. And mm. So I like, like he could have done a great job. Like, hey, you're not Christina Aguilera. Can you not do that? Yeah, that kind of, or just you know, like, <laughs> hey, in this case, that song is very standard. You don't. It's simple. It's a simple it's kind a of very man. Simple song. Yes. <laughs> anyway. My final thought is yes. Just keep it simple. Yeah. Keep it simple. That's a good plan. I think my final thought is, why are you doing it? Are you doing it for the money? Then just don't. Magnum P.I., just stop, please. Please stop remaking everything from the 80s. Because not everything from the 80s needs to leave the 80s. I hope they redo the Andy Griffith show. (laughs) They just got to find somebody named Andy Griffith. (laughs) Oh, I can't. Okay, everyone. I hope you're having a great day or night or whenever it is that you're listening to this. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us at contact at willallbedeadpodcast.com. You can check out the website at willallbedeadpodcast.com. And you can check us out on Facebook at Facebook slash someday will all be dead. Please, um... Remember to be kind to one another, another because, you know, you don't know what other people are going through. And everybody's fighting their own battles. you got to remember to pick your battles because someday we'll all be dead. <laughs>